chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 26. Acts chapter 8. I find myself going to this passage or thinking about it a lot when it, it's time for a baptism. I probably have preached it before at baptisms, but, but I believe it's a very good passage. It's a, it's a passage that I think is very easy for us to understand, and I think it's, it's good for us to look at that today, especially since we've got a young lady that's going to be baptized here in just a little bit. Acts chapter 8. We'll start in verse... 26, but before we start, we're going, we're going to take a minute to discuss something that we need to discuss. And I didn't want to do it when we got there in the middle of the sermon, so we're going, we're going to do it before the sermon. Uh, but I felt like we needed to touch on it because when you get to verse 37 in your Bible, you may not get to verse 37 in your Bible. Depending on your translation, your translation may not have verse 37. It may skip from verse 36 to 38. And some of you may be saying, well, I'm fisting to get rid of my Bible. But hold up before you, before you throw your Bible out. I'll explain to you why that verse 37 is in some translation and it is not in others. When we look at our Bible that we have today, it has been translated from many, many manuscripts that are copies of copies of copies. We don't have any of the original letters that any of the original biblical authors wrote. What we have is copies of copies and copies that have been passed down through the generations, and we look at those copies, and, and our translators come up with the translations that we have. However, there are some very slight differences in some of those manuscripts that our translators use. When I say slight, there is nothing really significant. It's quite amazing when you think about it at how close that all of these manuscripts are. But with that being said, there are sometimes small differences. And some differences that maybe are a little bigger, like verse 37. Now some manuscripts that we have, have what we would call verse 37. Now, translations like the King James, for instance, is gonna have verse 37. However, since the King James translation came to be, we have discovered some manuscripts that were much older than the ones that were used for translations like the King James. And in some of the oldest manuscripts that we have, we do not have verse 37 in those manuscripts. So sometimes you will see newer translations that will say, well, this is not in the oldest manuscripts that we have, therefore we don't know if it really was there, so we're not going to put it in our translation. Now, I don't like that. I don't like that method where you just leave it out completely and your Bible goes from verse 36 to 38. And it's likely that somebody's Bible in here would do that. What we typically see, however, and what you may see in your Bible, is that there will be some brackets around verse 37. Or you will see some type of, of, of demarcation or footnote. And if you read that footnote that goes along with the absence of verse 37, or are uh, 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 that it's in brackets, it will say what I just told you, that some of the oldest manuscripts that we have do not include verse 37. Now, it's really not significant in the sense that what verse 37 says is not anything crazy. Verse 37 says what the rest of Scripture says. So what verse 37 says and affirms is completely true, whether it's in, it's in the oldest manuscripts or not. So it's completely reliable and trustworthy when compared to other scriptures. 
So as such, I will preach verse 37 uh, as, as it is. And uh, I believe that we can certainly uh, go by what it says. I wanted to get that out of the way before we got to verse 37 because I didn't want to stop in the middle of the sermon and say that. But I also didn't want somebody coming to me afterwards or in the middle of the sermon saying, going crazy and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute I don't have verse 37 in my Bible. Uh, you will also see this in John chapter 5, verse 4. That may be missing in some of your translations as well. Uh, there's one other one. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But sometimes people say, I won't use this translation because they're taking verses out. But that's not really entirely true. You can also make the argument that other translations are adding verses that shouldn't be there. Now, we're not going to debate that today. Uh, but I wanted you to know that you may notice that difference or that footnote in your Bible and uh, I wanted to get that out of the way. So, enough of that. We're going to pray, and we're going to jump into Acts chapter 8. Father God, we come to you today. We thank you for your good word. God, we're not going to worry about verse 37, because it's true. Dear Lord, whether it was in the original text, we know that the words it says are true. God, what we want to focus on today is your word and you and how you speak to us and how you want us to see Jesus Christ, dear Lord, how you want us to come to you, how you want us to to put our faith in Jesus and be baptized and follow you, dear Lord. And we see how that happens. We see how it takes place right here in this passage today. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would be on each one of us. I pray, God, that you would hide me behind the cross, that I would preach and teach in a way that brings glory to you, that you take away any fear I have, any pride I have, dear Lord, that you are glorified in this place. Let your Holy Spirit do a mighty work, God. Work on hearts of people that are in here, God. You know where we are. God, there are probably some in this room today that do not know you. And God, I pray that today that they would hear your word and that they too would come to know you, that they too would be baptized, dear Lord. And I just pray that you bless this service. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. Then the beginning of verse 27, it says, So he got up and went. Now this is, this is good right here. This is one of those good examples in Scripture of how we are to respond when the Lord speaks to us. We don't have much detail here other than an angel of the Lord came to Philip and said, Get up and go. And Philip got up and went. Now, we could probably preach on that for an hour. I won't today, but we could because... How many times in our life does God speak to us? How many times in, God, uh, in your life has God said, get up and go? And you fill in the blank. You know what the blank is. Get up and go do this. Get up and go do that. Get up and serve me in this way. And I'm not just talking about God calling you to be a preacher or God calling you to be a missionary. I'm talking about maybe some little thing that God has called you to do. You're driving down the road and you see somebody walking. And God says, you need to give that person a ride. Or you see somebody homeless and you think, man, maybe I should go give that person some food. Well, look, if you feel convicted, then you need to do it. You don't need to make up excuses as to why you can't. Oh, it's too dangerous. If I pick them up, they may knock me in the head. Well, I got news for you. They may knock you in the head. But if God is leading you to do something, you pray about it. And if you feel convicted, then you turn the car around and go pick them up. If God is speaking to you and you see somebody that needs food, then you turn around and you go buy them something to eat. How many times does God say, I want you to go do this. I want you to go to this person. I want you to go to this place. And you say, I can't go and do this. But what did Philip do? It doesn't say that Philip did anything other than he got up and went. Now we need to pray that we would be men and women. That when God speaks to us, 
that we would do what God calls us to do because you never know what impact that may have on the people you encounter. And that's what we're about to see in this story. If Philip would have not followed God here, he would not have encountered this man that he was about to encounter. This man may have never put his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, perhaps God would have sent another. But man, isn't it a tragedy when God wants to send you and he has to send another because you won't go? That's not good. We don't want to be those who do that. And Philip was not. God said, go, he went. So maybe God's telling you to do something. Just, just a while back, I was driving by, by somewhere, and I felt like God saying, you need to stop and see that person. And I turned right around. It was late. I turned right around, and I went and saw that person because that's what I felt God was telling me to do. And who knows? Maybe, maybe something that occurred at that time. But maybe that happens to you. Maybe there's people's houses you pass by, you think about, I need to call that person. I need to go see that person. Well, guess what? Go see that person. Call that person. We say, well, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. But sometimes tomorrow never comes. So we want to be those that when we feel that God's putting something on our heart and we really we pray about it and we really feel convicted, okay, this is the Lord. This is the Holy Spirit. This is not just me. This is something that, that I really feel like I need to do. We want to be those who go and do what God calls us to go and do. And so Philip went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. Now, we see eunuchs sometimes in Scripture. These are men that, uh, men that, don't, that are not physically able to, uh, to have children. And oftentimes, uh, they were in the queen's court because there was no danger of them uh, doing anything inappropriate with the queen. And so we see eunuchs sometimes, and we see that this eunuch, like many eunuchs, worked for the queen. And what does it say about him? It says he had come to Jerusalem, or excuse me, he had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. So here we see one who is a man of God in Philip. God says go, and he goes. And now we see a different man, a man who is seeking God. He has gone to Jerusalem to worship. He is reading the Bible. He's reading what we would call Isaiah. Now, he probably had a scroll. It was a copy of a copy of a copy. And he was fortunate to have it. And he was reading through the Word of God. Now, perhaps there are some of you in this room today, and that is you. You are this Ethiopian eunuch. You have come today, and you are worshiping, and you are hearing the Word of God. He was seeking. He knew there was something. He knew God's Word was good. He knew he needed to worship God, and he was making an effort to seek the Lord. That's good. Whenever we get to that point in our life where we begin to make an effort to seek the Lord, that is a good place to be. And maybe some of you in this room today, you feel convicted because maybe you have not been seeking the Lord. Maybe the Holy Spirit is working on you right now today. Well, good news. Today you can seek the Lord. Today, as you sit on this pew with your heart, you can worship God. Today you can seek God's Word. You can say, okay, God, I see your Word. I'm looking at it. I'm hearing it. God, speak to me. Here was a man who was seeking the Lord. And here's the good news. When we seek God, we will find Him. So many times people don't find God because they don't seek God. So many times people hear the Word of God and, and feel convicted, and they leave it right there. They don't follow through. Well, you need to be those who follow through today. We want to be those who hear the Word of God, who seek God, and if God's speaking to us, 
We want to put our faith in Jesus Christ so that we can be the next Philip, so that when God calls us to go and do, we can go and do because that's what God has called his children to do. Disciples make disciples. Now here, Philip was a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. He's going out into the world to make disciples of this Ethiopian man just as Jesus has commanded him to do. And so Philip goes, he encounters a man who is seeking the Lord. And let's see what happens as the story continues. Verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. Man, could you imagine? That's hard enough, right, when God calls us to go somewhere and do something we don't want to do. And it wasn't enough that he just went. But here this guy is in his chariot, and God says, go up to this chariot. Now, could you imagine that? If God sent you somewhere today and you got to where you're going... He said, I want you to go to the Walmart parking lot. You went to the Walmart parking lot. He says, I want you to go get in that blue car over there with that person. Whoa. That's tough, right? I mean, that's, it's tough when we follow the Lord. Sometimes he calls us to do things that we're uncomfortable with. And we say, I can't do that. But yet here, Philip, he does exactly what the Lord says. God says, go, he goes. God says, I want you to go to the chariot. He goes to the chariot. Let's see what happens. Verse 30. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? That's a simple question right there. That's a really simple question. He goes and he sees this man. Philip sees this, this unit. And he sees that he's reading the prophet Isaiah. And he asks him a simple question. Do you understand what you're reading? Now maybe that's a question that we need to answer ourselves when we read the Word of God. When we hear the Word of God. Do we understand what we're reading? And maybe if we're honest, I mean, I, I think everybody in here, if we're honest, there are times that we can say, no. If anybody in here says, yes, I understand everything in God's Word that I'm reading, then I want you to come up here three or four times a week and sit down with me and tell me. Because I don't understand all it's saying. I understand some of what it's saying, and some I think I understand, and I probably get wrong. But, but that's a good question for us to consider. And it's okay for us to say, you know what? I don't understand everything in God's Word. And that's why it's good for us to be together. That's why it's good to, to hear sermons. That's why it's good to go to Sunday school. That's why it's good to sit around and talk with brothers and sisters in Christ. And we don't all have to sit around the table and hear a verse we don't understand and shake our head. And the teacher says, anybody got any questions? And you say, I don't want to say I got any questions because everybody else understands this, but I don't understand it and I look like an idiot. Well, guess what? Probably nobody else understands it either. And so it's okay to say, I don't really understand this. And maybe you sit around the table and everybody ends up saying that and you move on. But it's good for us to get together and hear the Word of God and say, do I understand it? If I don't understand it, let me reach out to somebody so we can study it together. Or if you understand it and you see somebody else reading it, maybe you can tell. I don't know if they understand what they're reading. I don't think it's rude to say, you understand? You understand what we're talking about? It's okay because our goal is we want to learn the Word of God because we want to live by the Word of God. That's what, that's what instructs us. That's what guides us. That's what teaches us. That's what points us to Jesus Christ, this, the Word of God. And so we want to try to understand the Word of God. And Philip sees this man reading the prophet Isaiah, and it's understandable that he didn't understand it all because there's some tough stuff in Isaiah. We probably don't understand Isaiah. And so Philip goes on to help this man. Let's continue reading. Verse 31, the man responds, How can I, he said, unless someone guides me? 
So Philip, so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So he acknowledged, look, I don't, I don't know what I'm reading. I need somebody to help me. Now, this is interesting. I mean, obviously the guy had enough, had enough sense and enough desire to seek the Lord and to worship the Lord and to read God's Word, but he also knew he didn't really understand everything about it. And maybe that's some of you in this room today. Maybe you have some desire to come here today and worship the Lord and read His Word. But maybe you say, well, I want to seek Him, but I just I don't understand everything about God's Word. And I wish we had time today that we could talk about lots of things in God's Word. But, but there's only really one part of God's Word that's the most important. And that is Jesus Christ as the Son of God who died on a cross so that we could be forgiven. We can't cover all of Scripture today, but... We can start at the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly who Philip speaks of here. He begins to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with this man. As we continue on in verse 32. Now, the scripture passage he was reading was this. Now, this passage comes from Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. You can find this. And the passage says this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shear. So he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Now, Isaiah 53 is a beautiful chapter to read, and I would encourage you to read it. And this passage is speaking of none other than Jesus Christ. Now, it seems pretty clear there, there are some who would deny that Isaiah 53 speaks of Jesus. But I tell you, it's pretty tough. When you read through Isaiah 53, it gives you a description of exactly who Jesus is and exactly of what he went through on the cross. And I think the biggest evidence, if we need further evidence to show that this is speaking of Jesus, is Jesus himself said Isaiah 53 was speaking of him. I believe in Luke 22, Jesus said, all these things must happen so the scripture must be fulfilled. And he quotes from Isaiah 53. So it seems pretty obvious that Isaiah 53 was a foreshadowing and a pointing forward of Jesus. And so here this man is, and he's reading Isaiah, and he's reading about this one who was going to come, this suffering servant who was going to come. Let's continue on in verse 34. The eunuch replied to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about, himself or another person? So Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning from that scripture. So here was a man who was seeking the Lord, worshiping the Lord, reading God's Word, but fully acknowledged, look, I want to seek God, but I don't really understand all about God's Word. Who is this person that I'm reading about in Isaiah 53? Can you tell me more about him? And Philip said, let me tell you about Jesus. He is this person. Let me tell you about the good news. Let me tell you that, that Jesus is the one who came to die so that your sins could be forgiven. Let me tell you that you're not good enough to earn God's favor on your own. Let me tell you of all the miracles that Jesus did. Let me tell you that Jesus was perfect. Let me tell you that Jesus suffered and died and He was nailed to a cross because He loves you and wants to forgive you of your sins. Now what all Philip told him, I don't know. But he told him the gospel of Jesus Christ. He told him enough. He told him enough that when the man heard this, he knew that he wanted to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And we see that in the text as we continue. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? 
And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. That's good. Here's this man who's seeking the Lord, and he hears the message of Jesus Christ. And obviously, uh, uh, Philip had told him something about baptism because after he hears the message and they come across some water, he says, what, what must I do to be baptized? What would keep me from being baptized? What do I need to do? I want to be baptized. And Philip says, look, believe in the Lord. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. And the man did. And the man was baptized. That's, that's what baptism is. So many times people say, I want to be baptized, but it's not the baptizing that saves us. It's not the baptizing that forgives our sins. It's Jesus Christ who saves us from our sins. It's Jesus Christ who forgives us of our sins. And so we are baptized when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism follows faith in Jesus Christ. And when he asked Philip, what do I need to do to be baptized? Philip said, you've got to have faith in Jesus. The faith comes first and the baptism follows. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, it is at that moment that we follow through just as Jesus commanded. The moment that in our heart we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for our sins and we want to follow Him and make Him the Lord of our life is the moment we become a Christian. It is at that moment moment in our heart that we become a Christian. And after that moment, then we need to be like this Ethiopian. We need to find another group of believers somewhere and say, hey, look, I want to be baptized. Say, hey, have you put your faith in Jesus? Yes, I trust Him. I follow Him. He's my Lord. I love Him. And praise the Lord, let's get to water running. Praise the Lord, let's go down to the river. Baptism follows faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'll say this while we're on the subject. I know sometimes that we go through life, and, and maybe as young people, we, we walk the aisle, and we, we come down, and we get baptized, but, but maybe later on in life we realize, I never really put my faith in Jesus. And maybe there's a point later in life, 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, that we really put our faith in Jesus, that we really become Christians for the first time. And sometimes people say, well, I've already been baptized. But I don't think baptism is retroactive. I think that even if we were baptized as a child and we realized as an adult that after that point that we were baptized, that we became a Christian, I think we need to be rebaptized because baptism follows faith. And sometimes we, we do that, especially as kids, and we say, I want to be dunked in the water, but not understanding. But as we get older, maybe we understand, look, I have never put my faith in Jesus Christ. Don't be deceived today. Maybe you've been coming to church and maybe you've been reading God's Word and seeking just like this Ethiopian, but maybe today, even if you've been baptized, maybe today you realize, I have been living for myself for 30, 40, 50, 60, 80, 90 years. And maybe today you realize for the first time, I, I don't understand. I didn't understand when I came here today. I came to worship. I came to seek. And I, and I know God's Word, but... But I didn't understand, but today I understand. Today I understand I've been living for myself. Today I understand that I've been being righteous for a long time, but today I understand that I don't want to live for me anymore. 
Today I understand that I want to live for Jesus. Today I understand that Jesus died for me. Today I understand that I have to put Jesus first. Today I ask you, God, to forgive me of my sins and let me put my faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe today that's some of you that sit on church pew for years. And it's hard sometimes, right? We say, man, I can't, I can't, I can't tell everybody that I'm, I'm just now becoming a Christian. They think I've been a Christian this whole time. Look, I can tell you, nobody's going nobody's gonna to think less of you. Everybody's going to say, praise the Lord. If you, if you say that today and you say, well, I was baptized when I was 12, but, but now I'm 70, and now I realize today, I just today put my faith in Jesus, then praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's great. That's what we come here for. We come here so that we can tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear it today. Jesus loves you. He's the one and only Son of God. He gave his life on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven and he can take you out of all of this mess and take you to be with him and provide for you for all of eternity. That is love right there. That another would lay down his life so that you could be forgiven. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, look, now that I've, I've given my life and I've been resurrected, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're doing today. We're having one baptism today. We can have two. The water's warm. we got plenty of water. If we run out, we can fill it up again. We can have another one next week. There's no limits to the amount of baptisms we can have because that's what Jesus has called us to, brothers and sisters in Christ. So maybe today you are Philip. Maybe today God is telling you to go somewhere. It's time for you to go. It's time for you to stop making excuses. It's time for you to say, God, I'm going. Because the person you go to, it may change their life. It may change their eternal destiny. If you go to them, it may change their, their soul. They may put their faith in Jesus Christ. So if we are in Christ today, let us be those who go. And maybe today you come and you're like this Ethiopian eunuch. You know about God. Maybe you even come to church and you seek out worshiping God in some ways. Maybe you even read God's Word. But do you understand it? Have you put your faith in Jesus? And maybe today for the first time in your life you have. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask Jennings and Macy if they would to come forward as we have a song of invitation. If you've made that decision today in your heart and you've put your faith in Jesus, you're already a Christian. You don't have to walk any aisle to become a Christian. You're already there if you put your faith in Jesus today. But if you made that decision today, then I encourage you to come down and let us know. We want to pray for you. We want to baptize you. We'll do it today if you want to. We'll do it later if you want to. But if you made that decision today, don't, don't hide it. Rejoice in it. Let us rejoice with you. Let's pray and then we'll sing. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for a good day. We thank you for Lauren for coming to give her life to you, dear Lord, and follow through in baptism as, she, as she's going to do in just a few minutes. And God, maybe there's another one in this room. Maybe today they, they come in here seeking you and reading your word. And maybe today they realize for the first time that they have never put their faith in you, that they've been living for themselves. But God, today, maybe their heart has changed. They've confessed their sins. They've repented, and they are trusting Jesus, knowing that he's your son and the only source of forgiveness of sins. God, maybe there's some in here today and they're yours. God, sometimes we don't always jump at the, at, the, at the opportunities you give us to go. So help us to do so. Help us to do better. 
God, when you call us to go, help us to go. Help us to not be afraid. Help us to not worry about what we're going to say or what we're going to do. Because, God, if you send us, you'll be with us. So, God, I pray that you just bless this time of invitation. If there's anybody that's made that decision today to put their faith in Jesus, I pray that they'd come and we can rejoice with them. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.